Welcome to the Unlearned Faith Series. My name is Doug Meyer. I'm joined by Alyssa Robinson, and we are um, explorers of faith in all things uh, that we've been told all our lives, you've got to believe it this way, or, and we are enjoying kind of just uh, rebelling against that. A little bit of pushing back, not in a bad kind of mean way, but just in a questioning kind of way. And uh, what's it all about? So um, today we are going to explore fear with a capital F and how uh, it is connected to faith and to God and to all sorts of stuff that throughout time people have uh, used and abused uh, Scripture and God to uh, keep people in line or to, uh, some people say comfort, but I'm not so sure. And uh, we've done that through, um, here's our little methodology. We walk alongside a five-day devotional series that will be found in the podcast description. So uh, maybe you've been doing it. Alyssa, how can they find that? So I'm going to include a link. It is called Not Afraid. How Christians Can Respond to Crises. And of course, we're just going to talk about fear at a high level before we get into the devotion. But all of the devotions that we do in this monthly release are from the YouVersion app. And I will include, so you got to download that app. And then I've included a link to today's uh, devotion in the episode description. There you go. Yep, that's so it. high level discussion about fear. So... Um, What that looks like for me is thinking about all the different ways, places, times that I have been afraid or have been told I need to be afraid. I've had some life experiences that were very fearful connected to um, people I love. Those were probably the most fearful times, like when like big, serious health stuff happened. Um, I was really afraid about 10 years ago when I was told I had stage three prostate cancer. That was pretty scary. Um, when I was a little kid, we were at my grandma's house and a tornado blew through our town and blew our car away. That was pretty scary. Um, but you know, sometimes when you're a little kid, fear is also, uh, an adventure. So I think I was too young. Adrenaline rush. Yeah. Yeah. I think I was too young to quite know the magnitude of it. Uh, even though we experienced some, you know, some pretty horrific sights. And then the other thing, I think I told you this the other day, our mom, God bless her, used fear as uh, in her disciplinary or just life toolbox. She was a fearful person, fearful of a lot of things. Some bad stuff had happened in her life. Her her brother had drowned. One brother was killed in the war. She had a lot of like go out into the world anxiety. And she just either emoted that or uh, I don't know, somehow we picked up on that. And I spent a lot of my life cautionary and not risk-taking and, uh, and or being very calculated about the risk I was going to take. So that really by the time it came to be done, it wasn't, it wasn't risky in the least. How about you? When did you and how have you experienced some of the big Honestly, I fear things? Honestly, I never experienced fear until adulthood. My childhood, I taught, I led a charmed childhood, uh, but also fear does not govern my mom, does not govern my dad. Like I was raised fearless mm. and, um, 
And sometimes, so I think that my fears that I experience are more, uh, almost philosophical or like deep rooted. It's not that I'm afraid a specific thing is going to happen or I don't have like a fear of spiders or snakes or, right. th or things like that. Um, I think most of my biggest fears are around control of like having control of myself, uh, the fear that somebody else could potentially have control over me. And then another, I was thinking about this a lot. I think that one of my biggest fears that actually kind of gets my heart racing is the thought that my life doesn't matter. Ooh. It doesn't make a difference. Nothing I do makes a difference. I'm not making an impact on this world. Yeah. And that gives me anxiety that is just one of the, I, I think that it, it governs a lot of what I do in this world is like, I want to make a difference. Mm -hmm. I want to make the world a better place. Right. And the fear is it girl, it does not matter what you do. This world is going to hell in a handbasket <laughs> and just enjoy the ride. Like, <laughs> well, and it's hard to get a measurement of, of the impact we're making. Right. You know, I mean, it's just like you or I in, in a little, uh, dinghy, paddling our boat upstream and uh it's hard to measure does anybody notice does anybody care you know did i save a hungry child did i you know whatever it is mm -hmm. i get that will i be remembered mm -hmm. probably not who what's your name <laughs> yeah exactly. that girl remember that girl she used to work here she was kind of ornery oh yeah her what was her name but yeah fear is a big thing and it has been used and abused, like we said earlier. And there's all sorts of scriptures that people have uh, aligned and misaligned to push over and against your faith. And sometimes the subtlety is if you only had more faith, you wouldn't be afraid. And that, that kind of irritates me because I think that those function in different realms, in different spheres. And I can be a, a super committed, faithful Christian and still have a fearful experience. I don't think one trumps the other, nor do I appreciate it if you judge my fearfulness as a lack of faith. Right. And that's what I hear over and again is faith and fear are not compatible. Yeah. That's what scripture tells us if we interpret it a certain way. If. That's what, you know, any time that fear is talked about from the pulpit, it is talked about, you know, faith drives out fear. Perfect love drives out fear. If you, you know, are feeling overwhelmed, fearful, whatever, you're not trusting God enough. You're mm. not, your faith isn't strong yeah. enough. And honestly, I felt that a lot in this devotion was kind of hammering into us. Oh, and there were some good things that came out of it too that I wrote down. But I think overall going into this not afraid, the focus was like, fear not, God is here. I'm like, those are just words. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, I, I picked up on a couple of, and I don't know, did the same author write every day? Do you know? Um, I believe so. Okay, because I, every now and then, the person was either having a good day or a not so good day, but their, their writing style was a little judgy. Mm. I felt judged. And that if you, uh, like you said, if you had enough, strong enough faith, and or, you know what? Don't worry anyway, because this isn't where you're going to be forever. It'll all work out just well, and fine. That's what I wanted to hit on in day one. Okay. I feel like day one talks about conformity a lot. Yep. And 
One of the things that it calls out is something that Christians call out all the time. The world is not our home. So mm. does that bring you comfort no. or anxiety or something in between? I don't know what they mean by that. Is that all like, don't worry, you don't even have to hedge your bets because when you die, you're going to go to heaven and that's the good place after all. Is that what that means? The, the world is not our home? I don't know. Here's a paragraph from day one. It says, first, we remember that this world is not our home. Scripture reminds us that this world is temporary. It's just a vapor. Does that mean we just walk around unbothered by what's going on around us? Of course not. We're going to be conformed. We're not to be conformed to the world, but we are supposed to love the world. So it kind of walks into, do not be conformed by... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Blah, blah, be transformed, blah, blah. Be transformed by the renewing by of your the mind. Renewing of your mind. Yeah, I like that scripture. But uh, so here's what I know to be true. All my reality is what I'm doing right now: living, breathing, eating, drinking, sleeping, commuting, whatever. Right. So um, I'm trying to live all in with what I got, and let the chips fall where they may after my heart quits beating. And it seems as if I, dis if I disconnect to the world, if I say, oh, you know what, this world is temporary, that there is a temptation to not be as all in, to, to not, you know, work for important things and advocacy and just, you know, fairness and uh, kind of, a, oh, it doesn't matter anyway. Yeah. That's what yeah, I hear. I don't think it means that's that. But what, one of the things I wrote down, what's the balance between peace and complacency mm -hmm. of like being at peace with like, and it kind of goes back to my fear of I'm not making a difference. <laughs> like being at peace versus being complacent. Here's my little theory on all that. I think that there are different, um, and I don't know, I've been just plunging here, brands of Christianity. There is easily marketed Christianity, which is, uh, you know, Give Jesus your life, invite him into your heart, everything will be fine. Peace You're out. Taken care of. Everything's yeah. good. It's kind of the, uh, I call it the get the ticket to heaven men's mentality. Um, I think that true faithful living, and I get to decide what true is, true faithful, <laughs> <laughs> true faithful living is uh, a consciousness of creation. I don't think God just made this role and said, yeah, here, go, y'all just do what you want. With do, it. What, do what you can with it. I'm done. I'm moving on. Uh, and that would mean, you know, creation, its inhabitants, whether they're two-legged or four-legged, genderless or whatever they are, it doesn't matter. Uh, and then the whole sense of uh, community and uh, caring for your neighbor. You know, throughout the New Testament, there's all sorts of examples of uh, being a, a person who connects with and cares for the lost, the least, the whomever. Mm -hmm. So um, I don't know. I think that um, if you look throughout history, there have been those who have used the Bible and Jesus to uh, make other people fearful mm -hmm. and then conformity. So, you know, I don't, I think, um, I'm trying to think off the top of my head, the scriptures in which Jesus talked about uh, fear. And uh, I should probably know those off the top of my well, head. Well, I, I know later um, in the devotion, one of the ones that they talk about is when he's sleeping in the boat. Oh, and yeah. The storm is raging. And yeah, the yeah, disciples yeah. are freaking out. And they're like, Jesus, wake up, do something. And he's like, did you not, like, 
don't you know who I am? Like, mm-hmm. we're, why are you afraid? Yeah, but I wonder what that really means. Like, so, well, even okay, I know who you are, but I still want you to wake up and help calm this mess, Yeah. right? Yeah. Or uh, what's the teaching on that? Is it supposed to be like, well, Jesus is with you, so it's all going to be okay? I don't know. That's it. Well, that's, and I think that sometimes I... Man, that easy Christianity you talked about of like the easy marketing mm-hmm. version, I fall into that. When I'm feeling really fearful or really stressed or anxious about something, I'm like, okay, well, as long as I believe this thing, it'll all work out in the end. And so sometimes it's a comfort. Yeah. But most of the time it's like, okay, then what's the point? What's the point of everything else? I I guess I'm a little surprised because I... I I'm going to use the phrase Pollyannish, and I don't think you're Pollyannish at all. But, but uh, I want to be. <laughs> That's <laughs> well, I really no, you don't. Want to be because I really, I truly believe ignorance is bliss, and I want to live in bliss. I don't want. You to- want to live in bliss, but you would live like you wouldn't even make it 24 hours in that land. You like, would either. I don't enjoy questioning everything and feeling uncertain all the time. I know, it's but not I think my happy place. I think you would get kicked out. I think they would go. <laughs> Her, that one, the curly brown hair, out. Kick her out. She's causing trouble. Uh, maybe it's just a restlessness, and and because uh, the good thing is, I think about you. Is you you want to be about change, and you want to be about improvement, and you want to be about how you, through your lens, can help somebody else experience that, and so forth, and so on. And um, you know, the whole issue of fear. Golly, we probably need to get back to that, don't we? So, what do you, what do you uh, what do you say to a friend who knows that you are a person of faith mm-hmm. and that you know because you work at a church you have the inside track on all things godly I got that direct connection. you got the direct connect mm-hmm. what um, when somebody expresses to you fear about fill in the blanks fear about a failed relationship feel fear about no relationship fear about you know hey my career's not going the way it's supposed to go mm-hmm. what do you what's your go-to what do you say to them I'm not helpful at all. I'm like, yeah, that's scary. Yeah, that sucks. I'm glad I'm I'm not you. (laughs) You should be afraid. No, I really think that I kind of lean in with them. And one of the things that I do often is kind of take people down the rabbit trail of like, okay, let's walk through the worst case scenario. What is the worst possible thing that could happen with what you're dealing with right now? Do you think you could survive that? Okay, what's the next worst thing that could happen? Do you think you could survive that? Um, And just kind of talking through it because I don't, it's not, I would never be like, oh, that's not something to worry about, you know, because. Not discounted. No, but um, I think sometimes just talking through all of the terrors is like a detox. <laughs> yeah. No, I think I think it is a like a formula for creating hope. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. I came into this conversation with Alyssa thinking I couldn't or I was afraid of or, you know, so forth and so on. And I can see where you would be helpful to see, have a friend kind of go, oh, okay, well, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I would even survive that. Oh. You know, and so uh, they accumulate positivity and positive energy from those, mm-hmm. which even though, you know, you didn't say, oh, I'm going to give you my hopeful conversation. Mm. You were just present, and that helped alleviate fears. Yeah. Yeah. I go. think a lot of it is just talking through it. Fears get smaller when you talk about them. Mm-hmm. For sure. 
Even if, and ideally, I think you'd want to go to the next step of doing something about it. But even if you can't get to that next step of doing something about it, just talking about it, putting it out into the universe, sharing it with a friend makes it smaller, makes it feel more manageable. Don't you think, do you think that sometimes our fears, like, um, so it's one, one thing to be fearful and be alone. All right, then turn the page. Now I'm fearful, but I'm with somebody else. Mm-hmm. Turn the page again. I'm fearful and I'm in community. And it, it, to your point, it seems like it begins to bring it down and it elevates the, oh, I can do this. Mm-hmm. I can survive this. Oh, this isn't that bad at all, after all. It's, it's kind of a... Um, I wish the Bible talked more about that, of like rather than faith being the deterrent for fear that maybe it talked more about sharing. <laughs> like, I know that uh, it was a product and context of its time, not a lot of conversation around mental health or, or things right, right, like right. that. But um, being in a community with people, what I have seen casts out fear more than standalone in a vacuum faith. And maybe the, the people who would be like, no, it, it is faith. Well, maybe it's because you shared that faith in a community setting where you felt uplifted and encouraged and, you know. Yeah. No, I think there's some examples in the New Testament, especially at the very beginning. I think it's in Acts where uh, there was what I would call kind of a communal living situation where all things were shared and all things, you know, uh, and I make up all things isn't just, you know, peanut butter and jam, but it was, you know, uh, joy, sorrows, griefs, health concerns, babysitting, you know, whatever it was, that people lived in connection, and connection, to our point, helps lessen uh, both uh, real fear and perceived fear. Well, and I want to do something crazy and skip a day and go to day three, because what you're saying reminded me of this quote from the day three devotion. It says, if we say we follow Jesus, but our lives don't look like Jesus's life, then we have to ask ourselves if we're really following Jesus. Right. And it's, it's day three is all talking about sharing resources, which is what that like original church with a capital C was doing is like, they were literally in communal living and it was, it was a commune of people sharing everything with each other. Sure. Um, I'll be the first to say my life looks nothing like Jesus's life. No. I own my own house. I own a car. I have a retirement account that I'm investing into every month. Like all of the things that Jesus said not to do or not to focus on, I'm doing it. I'm doing all of it. Yeah. Can I call myself a Christian? Can I say I'm a uh, follower of Jesus if my life looks nothing like Jesus's? Because I was like, that's pretty gutsy to say that in your devotion. And I want to know how much does your life <laughs> devotion writer look like Jesus? Put them up. Put them up. Yeah. Like who who listening to this can honestly say their life looks like Jesus's life? Right. See, I think I think you're right. And I think uh, that the best I know I can ever hope for is like if I said that and then there was a whole bunch of like asterisks and it was all like, well, I modified this, I dropped this. So uh, the other day I had to do, uh, had to, got to do uh, 
a sermon on being peacemakers. And it dawned on me that um, if you say you are a person who follows Jesus and you're all about living like that, then it is um, a, a commitment, obligation, expectation that you're also a peacemaker. Like I don't, I, I think, and that's in the Beatitudes, you know, bless are the peacemakers. Um, I think we're all on the hook to be a peacemaker is what I'm getting to. I don't think there's a, like a loophole or a, well, you know, that's somebody else's gift. Well, no, I think uh, Jesus was saying, um, or I think we say, if I follow all the rest of the stuff, it is contrary for me then to go, yeah, I'm out on that peace thing. Well, then you're not really following Jesus, right? So uh, I don't think it's possible to... Uh, how much do I think it's possible to live like Jesus? Like, uh, can I live 50% like Jesus? I don't know. Because to your point, everything about... I'm all in on our culture, too. I'm like, okay... Uh, I'll share some stuff. But I usually only share what uh, is left over or I don't like anymore. Oh, I am 100% conformed by this culture. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so there's not a lot about our culture that is uh, consistently aligned with Jesus and Jesus' mm -hmm. teachings. But also, not to let myself off the hook, but I think about this a lot of like, okay, what time was Jesus living in? This was a time in which the expectation of family is you take care of each other. Once you reach a certain age, like family doesn't move away. You stay in the same community your entire life. Your parents, like you live with your parents through adulthood. In their old age, you take care of them. And I'll say like me pouring into my retirement account is absolutely out of fear. Sure. I'm not married. I don't have kids. Who's going to take care of me when I'm old? Me. Like nobody else is going to take care of me. Yeah, probably not. You better keep saving. I know. And it really is of like, <laughs> I start to get worried of like, am I accruing enough? Am I going to be able to survive? And right. it's absolutely out of fear. But on the other end, I'm like, nobody's just going to take me in. Like I, <laughs> what? That, that's not the world we live in. <laughs> I'm just imagining you like walking all through your neighborhood and just like, will you take me in? Yeah, if uh, anything, it'll be my niece and nephew, and they won't like that. John will. John's good. He's sweet. <laughs> well, uh, so I wonder, it would be interesting, and somebody probably already has the answer to this question. So if Jesus came today, and would Jesus modify what Jesus taught? Ooh. So we're going to get right to the blasphemy today. Mm -hmm. Right off the bat. Would Jesus go, okay, that, that worked then, but I need to kind of change my messaging now? I don't know. I Because I think maybe what Jesus would want to do is topple our economy. <clears throat> maybe Jesus would be a communist. I don't and, know. And be a, like a death to capitalism like person? he would unplug the whole war machine and all yeah, that. Maybe. Would I mean, he make healthcare free for everybody? But the truth is, I don't know. I don't think that Jesus would necessarily adjust his message. I think maybe he would just be like, oh, wow. We like, got a lot of work to do here. We really like roll up our sleeves uh -huh. and let's topple this empire. We're really not heretics, but I think it is a really important thing to contemplate. Like as we live as best we can in a faith filled life. Um, how willing are we to get to being imitators of Jesus' life? I mean, I've got a lot of loopholes. I, I do a lot of modifying. And what are you afraid of? 
What if you were to? What would be your greatest fear if you were to truly say, "Okay, I'm going to copy Jesus. I'm letting go of everything. I'm leaving my family behind. I'm, you know." Because yeah. it's day three is talking about the resources that we hoard, and if we were truly, you know, what would it look like to live like Jesus? What are the fears that come to mind? Whoa, rejection! That people would say, "Oh, Myra's gone off the deep end. He's crazy." Mm-hmm. Safety. Uh, having enough, uh, you know, clean clothes, a warm bed, all the comforts that I think are necessary, mm-hmm. and um, probably affirmation or judgment by other people. You know, am I, uh, and I say that, and even as the words are coming out of my mouth, I'm like, yeah, but you know, I think it would be a trade off, maybe. I think there would be people who would go, you know, that's pretty, that's pretty bold. That's pretty gutsy. Uh, and then there would be people who go, no, he's finally done it. He snapped. So um, how I have lived my life as a person of faith is I have come on different topics as close as I can. And some days it's closer to Jesus' way, and other days it's not near as close. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's always in fluid. And um, I, th- I want to believe that Jesus would say something like, you know what, man, you did a really good job yesterday. Here's some areas that could use a little improvement. Um, I'll be around tomorrow if you need some help. You know, mm-hmm. good night. Have a good night's sleep. Let's work on this tomorrow. Chaos. Oh, chaos. Day four is all about chaos. The scripture for when it's talking about chaos mm-hmm. and it's challenging us. You you say judging. I actually think that this devotion was challenging more than right. judging of like, okay, how are you really living? And yeah. my hope is that the person who was writing it was challenging us with the things that they struggle with as well. So well, it was just as much yeah. a challenge for themselves as it was for other people. I'm hoping that it's not them pointing a finger and being like, you're getting it wrong. That's but a good attitude. No, that's healthy to think of it that way. It brought up uh, Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. Yep. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. And yep. it says afterwards, when the world gets dark, we as Christians are supposed to shine our light. So in chaos, we are supposed to be the point of peace, the point of calm, hope, all of those things. That is a tall order. I, I think what I make of that is just it's really hard to live where those two worlds collide. You know, I, I want good and I um, and I'm afraid. And we do our best some days, and then other days we just pull the covers up over our head. Well, and and one of the things I wrote down is I actually, I really thrive in crisis and chaos. That is when I am at my best. And when everyone around me is in a state of panic, that is when I am laser focused. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay. Let's figure this out. Mm-hmm. And I have been told that as a result of that, I'm a very calming presence. But also um, what that means is during times of status quo, 
I start to unravel a little bit. Mm. And I'm like, okay, like I'm kind of waiting for the next adrenaline rush of chaos and crisis for me to feel like I'm at my best again, because I am not at my best when everything's hunky dory. And we're like, everyone, you're okay. I'm okay. We're chugging along. It's boring. Just keep it going. Don't yes. have any energy to it. Yes. And I'm like, okay, let's, let's jump into a crisis. Like stir it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've seen you in, uh, like that Alyssa role of taking leadership in a setting conversation that might've been chaotic with a whole lot of people doing the crazy stuff and helping bring clarity. And I think in that setting then, like you are letting your light shine. You know, I think that uh, when we allow our uh, talents and giftedness to kind of effervesce out, that that is a light and that that is helping other people whose gifted and talentedness is in a different way, you know, live into that. And that is bringing peace in chaos and peace and pure hope. Well, and that makes sense because... My spiritual gift yep. is discernment. Yep. Well, what is there to be discerning of if there is not something hard put in front of you? Like if everything's easy yeah, yeah, yeah. and the choices are easy and nobody's struggling, then I'm not using my gift. <laughs> yeah, but so here's the reality on that, I think. So that like, again, sermon, peacemaker. So choices. Do I just step into peacemaker role when I'm in the middle of conflict or within within my uh, bubble? Or does that mean I also have a responsibility to seek out times if I have you, mm-hmm. I'm making a job for you here, uh, a person with a, a gift of discernment, and we're going to have to talk a whole other day about gifts and all this stuff. Anyway, um, I think maybe you have a responsibility to take that and offer that into other situations. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't think peacemakers just sit on the sidelines and go, yeah, I'm glad I'm not over there in Haiti or Cuba right now. I'm, you know, I think they have a responsibility to go and help be a part of caring for, calming down, so forth and so on. All right. Day five. Yep. You ready for it? Yeah, bring it. Worst case scenarios is what I called it. Okay. But it just says, not afraid in the face of crisis. That's what the title of this day is. Um, and this is the one where it brings up the story of Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat. And it says, Jesus was sleeping at the back of a boat with his head on a cushion The disciples woke him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? Don't you care? You don't even give a care. Okay, that's Alyssa's version. That's a new translation. When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They ask each other. Even the wind and the waves obey him. Mark 4, 38 through 41. Here's what I want to call out. All right. Jesus asks, and it's kind of the faith is not compatible with fear thing. Why are you afraid? Do you still have no faith? And then the very next sentence said, the disciples were terrified. (laughs) So it's like, he said that to them. Why are you afraid? And they were like, 
We are afraid. Like yeah. was the response. We are afraid. Who is this guy? Yeah, yeah. So I think sometimes when we read stories like that, it's helpful to ask the question, so who's this about in that story? Is this about the nature of Jesus and who the author was trying to help us understand Jesus is, was? Was this about uh, the disciples and their nature and who, you know, are they a metaphor for you and me? Uh, I probably would be the disciple over there rattling Jesus saying, you know, hey, I, I hear you can do all this stuff. I'm afraid that I'm about to die. So I'm, you know, my, my fear is about me. I want you to wake up and do your thing, and then we'll figure out later on how we're going to sort all this out. But wake up, Jesus, and, and do your Jesus stuff. Here's who I would be in that story. Who? I would be a disciple, like, pulling on the mask, trying to get everything in order, running around, and resentful of, like, okay, this guy's sleeping, and it's not as yeah, much he needs a, to get up and do it's his not part. A get up and save us. It's a get up and help. Yeah. Like help out here. Yeah. This is a group effort. <laughs> and you're over there sleeping. You're sleeping. We're all going to die. Jesus must have been a good sleeper because he slept in some hard places. Yeah. Uh, so some people will say this is about Jesus and his ability to calm the storm. And then that connects him back to. Uh, divinity to God, to uh, having those kind of uh, God-like uh, powers, right? Um, and maybe it's both. Maybe it's about, you know, we've all heard, you've heard, I've heard, some of us have heard, you know, Jesus is there in the midst of life storms. Okay. So um, what is it then, what's the furthest reach on this story? Is it that uh, all along, it was all going to be okay anyway. We don't know that. We don't know. If the storm had gotten worse, the boat tipped over. Mm-hmm. You know, Jesus, we have another story where Jesus walked on water. And so Jesus is just like continuing to sleep on top of the water. He's and sleeping over there drowning. on his seatly posturepedic, and they're all like, he just wakes up and shrugs his shoulders. No. Uh, is it just another story about the condition of humanity that... Uh, no matter what it is, and in this case, it was a uh, storm on a on a lake, and uh, things freak us out, and we don't know what to do when they happen. I mean, maybe that's just, don't fancy it up with a whole lot of, uh, but when bad things happen, we become fearful. Mm-hmm. Yes, and we call out for help. Mm-hmm. Well, that's one of the things, we skipped day two. Okay. But one of the notes that I made on day two, because it was talking about finding peace amongst your fears and i feel like this story alludes to that as well it's like calming Mm -hmm. amongst your fears Mm -hmm. and i have found that i am i've only experienced true peace that i could call god's peace when i'm forced into it and one of those times was when i was literally inside a tornado yeah (laughs) of like at that point there was literally nothing i could do except call out to god And what that means for me is that in any other situation, when there's even one thing that I could do, I'm not going to call out to God because I can do it. (laughs) (laughs) And that's like, it's, it's, and there have been a couple other situations where I have like, literally all I have left to do is turn to God. And I'm wondering if that's what was going on in this boat of like, they tried everything. Yeah, yeah. And literally the last thing they thought to do was like, okay, it's either call to God or got, or die. Or go. Yep. That's it. Maybe. Because the story doesn't tell us, right? Yeah. Like, 
you know, between when the first, you know, notice of, you know, thunderstorm warnings came up, mm-hmm. you know, maybe they started trying to get to shore. Maybe, 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 maybe. So we only know what the disciples were doing when Jesus woke up yep. and they were yelling at him. Who knows how long they had been wrestling through the storm before that moment. Sure. And who knows, like afterwards, did everybody get Jesus go, okay, y'all take care. I'm going back to sleep. Did they go, oh, let's just row to shore and, you know, quit fishing for the day. Um, so I, when you went through that big, scary thing where the tornado went right over your car. So I always wonder about like a point of uh, impact, like a point of like, uh, do you remember, like, did you scream? Did you, do you even remember? Like, do you have oh, memory yes. of the? the like, oh, yes. Vivid memory. Yeah. Um, Tell people real quick what happened. So I was driving on 35, October 20th, 2019. Okay. And a tornado came across the highway. I was driving. It was raining really hard, and it was kind of that scary rain that you can't really see, and everyone was going 20 miles per hour on the highway. And then everything stopped, and I was like, okay, that wasn't that bad. And then all of a sudden, the sky became so dark, I couldn't see the cars around me. And the wind started blowing, and I saw an 18-wheeler start to move towards me. And at first, my brain was like, this guy's swerving into my lane. And I started honking and realized what was happening is the wind was pushing it towards me. And then the wind got my car and started rotating my car. I felt the front of my car lift up. (laughs) All of the windows on one side of my car blew out at the same time. My car started rotating and I was in the far left lane. So I was going to get sandwiched against the guardrail. And I didn't duck. I like... I didn't scream. And your car's running, right? My car is running. I put both hands on the steering wheel at 10 and 2. I took a deep breath, closed my eyes, and said, God help me. Out loud, I said, God help me. And that's all I said. And then I just waited to die. That that was it. Really? Yeah. And that lasted how many seconds? I I have no idea. It felt like everything was happening in slow motion, but Mm -hmm. I would guess... Less than 30 seconds. But, so in the midst of that fear, called out for help. Yeah. That was probably the most, like, terrifying, as far as, like, life or death death moment. That was mm-hmm. the most terrifying moment of my life. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I called out to God. Well, and I, so the point of the whole Jesus in the storm story. Yeah. What is the point? They said, the point according to this person. Uh, we freak out because we're terrified the worst case scenario is going to happen all the while forgetting that Jesus is just as present with us now as he was with the disciples then. So the reason we're so afraid is that we forget that Jesus is here. Yeah. Well, and I think that when you peel that back, yes, Jesus is here and, and there will be people who, whose story the tornado will go over and they will die. And uh, Jesus was with them too, Mm -hmm. right? I think that sometimes we of faith have uh, created scenarios that uh, kind of tell people, hey, if you call out for Jesus, he's going to protect you and you'll be safe and fine. Mm -hmm. 
you and I both know there have been people who've called out for Jesus and they were killed or shot or, or something bad happened, right? So for me, the moral of that story is no matter what is going on, God is present. Let me ask, what have you unlearned about fear today? I've unlearned that um, there are not, scriptures are not to be used, in my opinion, for uh, platitudes or placating. I think placating is the better word. What are normal human emotions? And uh, those only contribute to kind of jacking people up mentally or spiritually when then they say, well, I must not be enough, strong enough, Christian enough, or whatever enough. I don't think that's consistent. I know it's not consistent with Jesus' message. Uh, Like we said earlier, we wish Jesus had also done a side class in mental health. But I think Jesus would have said, uh, in the way I choose to interpret, uh, Jesus was a consoling presence that, yes, you know, when he says, you know, my burden is light, my yoke is easy. Um, I am there walking with me will be okay. And okay has a ton of different connotations, but in most settings, that's enough. Honestly, I feel like preparing for this episode is the most I've ever thought about fear. Yeah. I, it's not something that comes to mind for me, but one of the things, the reasons that I don't think about it is because I don't like to feel it. And because fear feels like weakness to me. Uh-huh. And that is one of the things I, you know, going back to last month, pride, mm-hmm. <laughs> one of the things I take pride in is like, I am unafraid and I can face anything. But if I really stop and think about it, yeah, I'm fearful. Like all of the decisions I make in life are out of fear. Fear driven. Yeah. You have had a consciousness raising experience by looking through this. And so now you have an opportunity to kind of hold that over and against Mm. how much you're letting that drive kind of your unspoken agenda. Yeah. So I, it's not necessarily something that I've unlearned. I don't think I finished processing my thoughts on fear. Like I don't think that this, uh, episode has helped me work through it all the way. It's maybe a starting point to like, okay, maybe think about this a little bit more. Um, and that fear is not experiencing fear is not a bad thing. And it's not something that I should be ashamed of or embarrassed to admit that sometimes I'm afraid Yeah, because that's something I don't want anyone to know. I'm afraid. I want to exude confidence everywhere that I go. And I want people to look at me and be like, man, she is just a pillar of strength, you know? (laughs) So one of the things uh, I just had to saw how you were saying that about unlearning, maybe what I'm going to experience through these is that all of the things that we're talking about are part of short stories that have yet to be finished that the unlearning is realizing that uh, just that there's not periods yet at the end of the sentence, mm-hmm. that uh, it is a process versus a, uh, a final, you know, uh, declaration, a stake in the ground, and that that's good and that's okay. And that uh, a couple of days from now, I can look back and go, no, I wasn't in a good place that day when I was thinking about that, or I want to think about that differently again. And that continuing to think about it is a good and okay and right thing to do. 
Yeah, yeah. I feel like every time I come into one of these episodes, I leave having more questions yeah. and more uncertainty, um, which I hope is okay with our listeners that maybe they feel that way too. And it's okay to feel that way. Uh, we are living in uncertain times. <laughs> so what are we going to talk about next time? Next month. Oh my gosh. Next month is going to be a doozy for us. Oh no. It is unlearning temptation. <laughs> We're going to unlearn temptation. I know. I know. Uh, fun topic heading into November and December when all I'm going to want is food, 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 food. Um, and, and the world saying, you need to buy, you need to buy. This will make you happy. This will make the people around you happy. Please come to the mall. Please get online. Please shop, 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 shop. Yeah. So the devotion that we're going to do next month is called, and this goes into one of the things I'm unlearning, how to battle temptation. <clears throat> Looking at faith as a battle. Once again, I'm trying to stop. Shield up. That's, that's Shield one up. of the things we've talked about is like, okay, are we battling temptation or is it just a part of our human nature? What is it to actually be tempted? And it's, it was actually really difficult to find a devotion that was not 100% focused on sex. Oh, okay. So yes. the template of, of interpreting temptation is uh, sexual physical, temptation. physical, sexual. Yes. See, I could have found you one on like food. Yeah, and that, that is goes back to what we talked about in the first episode of like shame, shame, shame from yeah. the church of like the worst temptation is sexual Urgh, temptation. The flesh. But I'm sure we'll talk about a that a little bit, a lot of I'm it sure. next month. Uh, this one is a little bit different and maybe it'll appeal to y'all. Uh, let me know what you like and what you don't like. This is a video-based devotion. Yeah. Again, I will have a link to okay. the devotion in this episode description so you can do it in advance. Join this conversation with us from home and write down what you would have said. Everything is fair game. It's okay to whatever the text, you know, whether it's, you know, Jesus and whatever. Uh, we're, we're not heretics exactly, I don't think. But we think everything's okay to, to wonder and question about. That's just who we are. So hope right. you've enjoyed it. And we will see you next month for Unlearned Temptation. Oh, 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 oh,